Welcome to Mac and Blue, where we introduce you to who is building Arizona, bringing you the people and businesses that shape the landscape around us. From economic development and developers, underwriters and lenders, architects and engineers, to the very builders and suppliers that bring it all together. Now let's join our hosts, Robert Johnson and JJ Levensky, aka Mac and Blue. Welcome to Mac and Blue. I'm Robert Johnson, Vice President of Business Development of Tory Contracting. I cannot believe I'm two for two now. Uh, the first time we did this, I gave myself a promotion. Um, <laughs> his, pay, his pay wasn't commensurate <laughs> with didn't, it, though. didn't change. This guy is J.J. Levinsky. He's the president of Mac and Blue. <laughs> Mac and Blue. Okay, I'll get it. Blue Wave General Contracting. Okay. Wow. We're putting Robert in a home starting tomorrow. We just, so ta- you we just talked about a podcast you were on where they did a bunch of bourbon drinking. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't drink bourbon here, and I'm already looped. They so need to. Um, we are super glad to have, and I'm going to let you introduce him. Oh, sure. I get to do it this you time. You do. I'm going right. to let you do it. Oh, nice. We're super glad to have Greg Gale and Holly Cordley. Yep. From Nova Home Loans. Okay. So full disclosure, I Greg and I met, I would say... Seven, eight years ago, yeah, probably. We were in another business group we were just talking about earlier. It was kind of like a BNI group. It was called Amp Spirit, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, I don't know. I've just kind of always, you've always been on my radar. And we, uh, as part of uh, what Mac and Blue stands for in building Arizona, we were like, hey, at some point, we have to get some mortgage people on, you know, as loosely as that is described. And uh, I was like, oh, Greg, Greg, Greg will be the perfect guy. You know, nice. he's, he's a civic guy. He's into all these other things. So with that, um, Greg and Holly, if you can, take a little bit of time to give us a, uh, about your background, and then we'll dive into the business and ask you a million questions. So with that, go ahead. Wow. Well, been in Arizona since 1991. Um, yeah, first, thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. Right? Sure. And, and I'll tell you, it's... Um, you know, as I listened to and saw some of the people that you've had on, I appreciate being invited to, to the group. Um, and I love that it's, you know, Arizona-based and it's around Arizona businesses. So that's pretty cool. Um, so thank you. You're welcome. Welcome. So, yeah, I came to Arizona in 91. It was on a bet to go to Arizona State. I was in... Uh, no, wait. <laughs> Did you win or lose the bet? Hey. I think I, I, think I won. I think I won. Okay. Uh, looking back, I, th- I definitely won. So, uh, it, but that's was, true. You yeah. lost. You you uh, was a bet. It was a bet. Okay. It, it was. I was in in high school, okay. and you know, on the SATs, you got to write down like the college that you want to go to, mm-hmm. where you want your transcripts to go. Mm-hmm. So I put UMass Amherst in Arizona State. Well, I didn't put it down until one of the guys opens up a magazine and he's top locked him at the top party schools, and he goes, <laughs> oh. "Hey, uh, number one is ASU." And number two was UMass Amherst. I'm like, huh? And he's like, there's no way you would go there. I'm like, I'm like, oh, I'd, I'd go there. He's like, you can't even get in there. I'm like, all right, I'm putting those two schools down. He's like, okay. He's like, you get into ASU, you got to go. I'm like, okay. Well, and that was I, I got in. Well, where was home? And I went in Massachusetts. You grew up in Mass. Yeah. Okay. So UMass was about a three hour drive for me, and this was a you know four and a half hour flight. Now, full disclosure, my dad worked for Delta Airlines. Oh. And at the time in '91, it was easy to oh, fly, yeah. and oh, it yeah. was hey, there's an open seat, drive to the airport, jump on a flight. You didn't have to wait a long time, and right. it was technically free. Right. <laughs> so I could, well, technically like you paid like a hundred bucks for like flight tax or something for mm-hmm. that would come out of my dad's check. So, um, it made an easy decision. So that's how I ended up even being able to come here. Now, 
the reason it was the number one party school was it took me eight years to then graduate. <laughs> He's on the Tommy Boy plan. <laughs> not a doctor. Wow. Not a doctor. I actually... Uh, like Greg Gill Esquire? Yeah. No, nope, not that <laughs> There's no doctor under there. Um, when I graduated, it was exercise science, physiology. I was actually running and managing a martial arts school at the time. So I was so into martial arts. I got into it when I came here, just kept driving by the school. Something drew me to it. And I was like, I had to go in there. And I met this guy. His name was Mr. Fisher. And he ran a great business. It's one of those ones by chance, right? There's so many yeah. martial arts schools mm -hmm. that by chance I fell into this one. And this guy was really good at the martial arts. But what's not common is he also ran a great business. There's not many full at the time, this is, you know, back in the nineties, mm -hmm. sure. there wasn't many full-time martial arts schools. Yeah. Most people had a full-time job during the day and then taught out of their garage nights and weekends because mm -hmm. it wasn't a successful way to make money. This guy made money. He was in a college town. He catered to the college people. He had very few kids. Most martial arts are kids based because mm -hmm. they can get the kids roped into a program, sure. get the black belt program. And he was very much adult driven. Uh, and he did very well. So I, I was fortunate to get in there and I literally would move my college schedule around to fit the classes I could go to at the martial arts school. That's the reason it took really? so long. That's the reason <laughs> it took Hold so long. Go back yeah. though, Greg. You're being, I think you're being humble. If I remember right, did you get here on a scholarship too though? I did not. But you were a stud golfer, right? I was a good golfer. Right. Yes. Still is a yes. good golfer. And so so I, did so you good try research. out? Yeah, no. Um, because when I, well, when I went to go for tryouts, when they told me the regiment of it, I figured quickly that that wasn't going to work for me because I had to work to go through school. Gotcha. And so it wasn't, it just wasn't in the cards. But he beat Philip at a kegger or two. Well, <laughs> right? it's always handy. He for was that. playing at that time yeah, too. That was, that was, that was a cool time to be here. Yeah. yeah. So it, it was interesting. So I get in there and that's what moved. I came here on a, um, to go for computer systems engineering. I was really into computers and then that didn't work out. So I then got into business and computers that didn't work out. And I, by working out, I didn't work out because I didn't put in the effort to sure. any of the programs. We know that now. Yes. I mean, so now, looking honestly, back, yeah, I can exactly. take full responsibility. Mm -hmm. Right. And then it went to marketing. Uh, and then I'm, I'm, you know, I'm training the martial arts on the side and I'm like, man, maybe I want to get into like more the physical stuff. So I actually did exercise science, physiology and pre-med. So I did finish both, but then by the time I was done with eight years, I was like, man, I don't really want to go to med school. Mm -hmm. And so I actually stayed with the martial arts school. And then you guys know, being local here, the village, mm -hmm. so DMB club. So the village uh, had just opened in Ganey. We were contracted in to train martial arts to the kids and adults. So we started an adult and kid program there at Ganey Village, and this is back right when they opened, that was like 2000. And so I was working at the martial arts school, training there, and, and I found out what the trainers were making. I was like, wow, these guys make good money because it's a high-end health club that charges a lot for personal training. Right. And I was like, man, I can make a lot more. So I went to my martial arts teacher. I said, hey, like, can we work a deal? Like, can I, like, I'd rather make more money and stay here with you. But and he's like, no, man, this is as much as we, I can do here. You know, unless mm -hmm. you want to franchise and go do your own thing, which he then showed me the math on that. And I was like, mm, that's a lot. That was risky. Yeah. Um, and looking back, I'm glad I didn't, but it was nice to have the opportunity. So I ended up becoming a personal trainer at the villages. I had to actually go, I had my degree. I then had to go get on top of that, a personal training degree and license. So I did the National Strength and Conditioning Association, the NSCA. I had to go through a whole program to get that. You had to have a four-year degree to even get that program. So mm -hmm. Ganey had a very high threshold. It wasn't like I could go online and take 
a certification for two weeks and get get a job there. You had to have a degree somehow related, like exercise science, nursing, mm-hmm. and on top of that, have one of the top rated programs um, as a certification. So that's how I got in there. But my, the, here's where we get to the mortgage part. So my yeah, very, going, like, wow, we're getting there. How did yeah. this jump go? So my very first client was a mortgage broker. There you go. Right. And so that's actually not how I got in mm-hmm. right away. It's actually my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, got in. So she wanted to get into real estate. The mortgage broker goes, no, she should get into mortgages. And I was like, okay, would you interview her? She's like, ah, oh, man, I don't really want to. Uh, okay. So she interviews her and she hired her on as a secretary and then moved her way up processing, funding, accounting, closing, and then became the personal assistant to the owner mm-hmm. for like four years. Mm-hmm. And so now fast forward, I've been at the village four or five years. I'm now looking to get out. I'm working 14 hour days. There's again, no there's a ceiling there, mm-hmm. right? There's nowhere else to go unless you want to go open up your own gym and then have trainers under you and make it a business. So I finally figured like, this isn't for me. So my wife now, she said, hey, there's a guy here at the mortgage company that's killing it and looking for an assistant. He's doing like, you know, 18, 20 loans a month by himself. Like just really good dude, runs a good business. You should interview with him. So I came in one Friday afternoon and sat down with him and he penciled everything out for me. And you know, at the end of the meeting, he's like, hey, I got to go. I got to run and get a title check. Let's just meet up again next week. And I was like, cool. And then, you know, this little voice inside me was like, dude, don't let this go. Because in the meantime, he could find somebody else, right? Absolutely. So I was like, hey, my afternoon's free. Can I just can I just go with you? And he's like, yeah. So we jumped in his car. We drive up to the title company. We're chatting the whole time. We come back. He's like, hey, come on back in. Pulled out a yellow piece of paper. He's like, how much is it going to take? How much do you make? How much is it going to take to bring you over? Cool. He like literally goes through, here's the compensation that get to get you there. He's like, I'll get you there quick. And I was cool. I literally left. I called all my, it wasn't like a normal job where I could just say, hey, village, I'm leaving. It was, hey, village, I'm leaving. And then I had to call all these clients that I had trained for so many years. And what's interesting is not one of them was mad, upset, or shamed me. Difficult. Yeah. They were all like, good move. Yeah. You need to do that. Wow. No worries. And then I set them up with well, another person. Then right there. Yeah, yeah I appreciate that. Feel, feel, no, I mean, yeah. anyone in that position would want to feel that. Right? Yeah. So I think that's yeah. cool. I was super nervous to call them all too. I mean, some of them oh, I trained I where I watched them and you know their daughters go through high school, college, marriage. I mean, it was like, like I was there for a good stint. And so it was kind of cool that that was the response. Right? And so... That's how I ended up ultimately getting into the business and then getting mentored by a top producer. And they're and and you're off and running. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's amazing. How about you, Holly? So I am the branch business development manager okay. at Nova Home Loans, right? Yeah. Yeah. BBDC so right for short. Yeah. I know. Well, death by acronyms. Here we go. Yes. <laughs> I'm really, I guess you could say, the the right-hand gal for Greg. Mm-hmm. Um, we do a lot together. So I'm just, my background before getting and working at Nova was in marketing, PR events, um, which is pretty much, I guess, what you would say I would do for the branch and for Greg and for the realtors and clients that he has and he's had for a long time. Nice. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you, marketing is so key. As you guys know, I mean, I like it's sales and marketing, right? And mm-hmm. I took it for a while. I was so driven on, you know, work at sales, work at your skill set of negotiations and presentations and things like that. And then as I realized now looking back, I'm like, man, marketing is really where it's at. And, and I don't know if it's just because of the environment we're in now, like now, meaning like the last five to 10 years. But I think always you got to, 
you got to like the people have to know you in order to even transact with you. And so I think that I put a lot of sales in, uh, in front of the marketing piece for too long, mm. needed to add the marketing a lot quicker. So, so what did you, what did you do to, to transform that? Well, first was to start doing the marketing myself, but right. then I quickly realized like, don't do that. Like hire someone, have a right hand that can literally run that because it's a full-time, if not plus, position to be on top of that and ahead of that. And even in a business that you want to be relational, not transactional, you want more repeat business. And yeah, just like yourself, like, oh, yeah, I remember Greg. I know Greg. We've never even transactioned. We've just met, yeah. but then stayed in touch. And, you know, you see a post or you see a video or you mm -hmm. hear from somebody else, and then eventually something comes around. We're like, wow, we're connected again. Yeah, you're singing my song. I, we, I was just talking to somebody about this last week that it's all well, – actually, it's a young man who's who's come on that has started working with me that I, I tried to explain. It's all about the relationships you build, 100%. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And uh, I got into the debate with my wife last night about... She won, by the way. That's not good. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, this one she didn't win. But it wasn't that <laughs> wow. kind of a debate. But it was... Um, she was saying to me that she didn't understand all these connections on, on LinkedIn or, or any place else. You know, why are you, why are you spending your time you know, doing this or doing that? Mm. And, and it was that... And, and you know this. It... It's not necessarily about that connection, but that connection has connections. Mm -hmm. And I, I, the number of times that I've gotten business leads or that I've created, you know, um, fruitful relationships with people that are four, five, six connections deep yeah, that point. just happen to see me or know you from somebody else, mm -hmm. and without that relationship, it wouldn't mm -hmm. have wouldn't have come around. So, 100%. yeah, it's all about the relationship. And I'd like that the fact that you said that a relationship business versus I can't remember how transactional. There you go. Mm, yeah, commodity. So, not that I'm baiting you on this question, but bring it. In those last five to ten years, as you went through that maturation, Greg. What, and I think everyone answers this differently, but I'm interested how it is specific to you and your industry. Is it branding you or is it branding Nova or is it branding both? So I've always branded my team and this is something okay. that, so my mentor was JB, his okay. name's JB Metzger. And he, um, he always said, dude, we're the Metzger group and we're the Metzger group at wherever we got to be. So okay. always brand us as a team because it's not, it's never the me show. So it's Greg Gale. It's the Gale team at Nova Home Loans. Mm -hmm. And not because you might go somewhere. Like, I'm 14 years at Nova. It's been a great run. Uh, I don't see myself going anywhere right now. But what happens if something happens tomorrow there? I got to still be the Gale team. Right. And I don't know. I always use the restaurant analogy, right? You can never go to a restaurant and have one person there. There's got to be someone who is picking up the phone, someone cleaning the dishes, someone cooking the food, mm -hmm. someone handing it to you. And, if, and you, when you go to the really nice ones to have a great experience, there's multiple people. Oh, like there's exactly. someone that sat you there, then there's and there's someone that took your reservation. There's someone that sat you down, uh, arranged the flowers on the table. I mean, you know, yeah. it really goes pretty deep, right? And so you have to to cater to that and have a great experience for them people to to have the relationship to then come back to you, and to stay in touch even in the future, right? To have somebody that you can leverage and help you with events and contacts and lists and hey, call these people like that kind of stuff. Hey, it's their birthday. To have those relationships and to go really deep, you need a team. So you have to market the team. And so it's always been, hey, the Gale team's hosting this, and the Gale team's having a class, and the Gale team's this. I may speak at it, 
I may be the one mm-hmm. putting the bill, but mm-hmm. like right now, there's three people back in my office that are fielding phone calls and leads coming in and realtor questions and working up flyers. Mm-hmm. So back to the, the Gale team, what what are the services? Like what's your brand of business? I mean, it's beyond just loans and things like that. Why don't you, you know, for the audience sake, tell us a little bit about like what, what is that encapsulating um service brand that you provide? Mm -hmm. Well, I think there's two things. There's two um, avenues I always go down, right? So you have the, there's the clients of the mortgage business, like we're doing loans for people. And then you have the, how do we help our referral partner, realtor partners? And so if I stick with the client part, it's you have the loans, you have the products, you have the knowledge to educate them on how to leverage their real estate to accumulate wealth over a very long period of time. And so I think that you know, you think of it like, again, the restaurant, right? I have the barista that just makes my coffee for me. And then you have the one like, hey, you want to check out this new thing we have over here? Or, hey, this is what we're doing. Or, you know, the, that personal touch to it too. And so when you think like, yeah, we do loans, in it, but ultimately to what purpose? It's to help them accumulate wealth, right? right. And whether it's just through that one home they're going to buy that in a long time it's going to be paid off and they retire and they go, wow, I have all this equity. What do I do with it? And maybe there's a mortgage product for them, like the reverse mortgages and things like that. Maybe they're pulling out some equity to do something with, whatever. Or it was for their estate and the kids now got a house and like, hey, let's wipe out the whole entire family debt with mom and dad's house that they, now that they passed away. Like there's so many things that can happen with the house, right? right? Whereas if someone, when you contrast that and say, hey, mom and dad rented for 30 years and then when they passed away, they left us nothing because they rented, right? And so I think of that, of taking people through a kind of what like they don't know till they know and saying, hey, imagine if you purchased this home and in two years you rented that one out and went and got your next home. It's not about you guys. Like, I'm not in that first house I ever bought. Like, are you still in your first house? Mm-hmm. No. For, cool. I wish I owned my first house, though. Mm-hmm. No kidding. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, all the, and I think that when I ask a lot of people that question, they're like, yeah, I wish I did too. And for one reason or another, whether it was training from before with our parents, it was like, no, no, you, you had that house and then you sold it to go get the other house and use the equity from that one. Cool. But what if your parent was like, hey, why don't we keep that one? And, and you can financially do it. We'll take the equity out of that one and go get another one a little bit step up, we'll rent this one out and then step up. And, and what happened if over 10 years, imagine if I could take someone that was in their 20s or 30s right now and show them this path that in their 40s and 50s, they had five, six rental properties. Yeah, it's under a different, them. different story right now than yeah. it used to be. You were exactly right. That's, that's what it was. Right. It was sell your house, buy another, mm-hmm. sell your house, buy another. Yeah. So accumulating wealth is a, yeah. Different much. conversation. Right. Yeah. And and not only there. Right. So I'll, I'll tell people, hey, look, make sure you're maxing out your 401k. Make sure you're using your IRA. Like, I'm not a financial planner, but I'll refer them to a good one. But they need to understand the whole wealth accumulation cycle. And the earlier, the better, because we all understand compounding. But if I can be the loan officer, that's not the order taker that says, OK, here's your loan. You qualify for this. Good luck. Go get the house. I'll help you close it. Here's And then get to the agent. Close. Here's your keys. Like that's just a transactional order taker. But when I say, hey, let me show you some other options. What if you didn't put so much mon- m- much down, right? Like if you put 5% down on a house, any any house, okay, 5% down, and then let's just say it appreciated at 5%, just to easy math. And over the next five years, that would be 25%. You five times your money, right? I, I with, saw with, this. I watched that video this morning, by the way, where you did the math about the the 
return yeah, on investment. Thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so if I took someone, did you have to take your socks and shoes off to follow? Yeah, would, but you know, it, it was it's so simple that it, what's so funny about it is is that we don't think about it like that, right? You know, you think about the fifteen grand that you had to put down, period. Mm-hmm. Not you know, and then okay, that goes up then. Like the stock market example, mm-hmm. which you were saying about putting in stocks as opposed to, to buying something with mm-hmm. it. it. We were just never taught that when we were little. I mean, right. We just, that's not the way we were raised. Yeah. So to give you some context, it's, it's if I, like if we bought an Amazon stock, you got like a piece of Amazon and let's say it was $1,000. So you, your $1,000 will go up by 5%. But if I took the same 1000 and put it in a house, you, the whole asset goes up by 5%. The entire asset. So right. that's what we're talking about. That le- the power of leverage through the mortgage and the real estate is where the power is. But the math is the path to figuring out how you accumulate wealth yep. with it. And, and again, it's a long-term thing. But imagine if we could all go back 10 years, 15 years, and be doing some of the things that I'm educating people on today. Yeah, exactly. Where would we all be? Wow. So now let's just do it now. Right, the best time to have planted a tree was twenty years ago. But if you didn't, the next best time is today. Right. So in twenty years, you'll have a big tree. Tory Contracting, your full service Division Nine contractor. Tory Contracting operates with a smaller, hands-on team. This cohesive structure results in superior workmanship and economical solutions. We deliver projects with unsurpassed commitment to quality and stewardship of budget. Corey Contracting, small enough to listen, big enough to deliver. Yeah, it's good stuff. Um, so what what other coaching things are you doing then, Greg? Yeah, so um, the, the part about the, I look at coaching in both ways, right? Like you're in sales and coaching. So okay. for, for me, I'm coaching the, the consumer on how to leverage the loan, leverage the real estate, accumulate wealth, and show them that path and all their options. And then it's coaching of the realtor. So I've worked for a company since 2014 called The Core Training. Mm-hmm. So they're a national coaching company of lenders and realtors. Uh, some are Zoom where you're countrywide, um, and then some are live. Like we just got a conference two weeks ago where you have – 600 people in the room, both realtor and lender, that we're coaching them on various business tactics. I think it's common, you know, like we talked about before, the chiropractor, right? The chiropractor is good at chiropractic. They're just not great at business. You see that so Sales, often. Sales, marketing. Yeah. We, we all know people that yeah. are great at what they do, but they're just not great at business. Yeah, like the baker. You're yeah. good at baking. But the second they opened up a business, thought it was a great idea, they couldn't hire, they couldn't train, they couldn't scale, they couldn't price it out. They couldn't. It's just, it's a different skill set, right? So, so I look at it from going from sales to management to leadership. So we help the loan officers and realtors go, hey, you're great at real estate. How do we now leverage some people, build a business, have a P&L, right? Mm-hmm. So in the beginning, we break it down into three things. Basically, we're building how do you generate more leads? Mm-hmm. How do you then build a team to cater to the clients to reduce your hours to enhance the experience to build that referral-based business? And then how do you track your money? How Are you running a P&L and a personal budget at home? Because it's not so much what you make, it's also mm-hmm. what you keep. Right. Like Mm -hmm. if you taught somebody how to make more money, that's great. But if they outspend what they just earned, that's not a good model. Right. But man, if I can teach them how to be a power saver and how to structure that and where to put how to where to put it. Right. How to invest it properly. And then it just compounds. And then it's to give back. That hidden fourth one is just how am I giving that back to the community? Yeah. 
yeah, that's a big win, win that we haven't even touched on yet. But, yeah, um, very, very, very interesting stuff. Um, yeah, I forgot what I was going to say. Well, it goes back, I like I said, there's two you know, avenues that I look like in our business is how are we taking care of the client, which oh, is exactly. the mortgage yep. and the mm-hmm. journey and, and the it, using it like a wealth management tool for them, right? Mm-hmm. Like, let's just have a different conversation. It's not the order taker, right? Let me, and you really can have a much better profound impact on someone's life yeah. when they take that seriously, that conversation, but then when they apply it. I mean, I have a gal, we've probably done eight or nine loans for her. She's got four properties. She's debt free except for the houses. The others are rented out. She's got her nice primary that she's like, I might be here forever. She's in her 30s. I mean, it's just like those are the ones like, wow. Good yeah. for you. She, yeah. Massive win. Like good for her. She yeah. followed the plan. She I'm like Now she's getting with a wealth manager to take all the extra money, and she's got her three months reserves sitting up there. I mean, if when you have reserves, you don't have debt. Because when you have reserves and something breaks or car breaks down, or you just use your reserves. You're not having to zing the credit card and get into that hole. Now, a lot most people are digging out of the hole or have the hole and need to dig out of the hole. Yeah. But once you dig out to a break even and the, the credit cards are gone, you've got to get 20, 25 grand set aside somewhere yeah. for those emergencies and things that you got that just pop up sure. that you would then zing the credit card for if you didn't have that. And then from there, it's where do you put all your money? So she's in that stage. But she was way over here in the, I've got a bunch of debt and I want to buy a house. And now it's been probably seven years that I've worked with her. But to see where she's gone, it's just awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So that's what I really like, that piece. And then the other piece was, and where Holly really comes in, is that how do we help the real estate agents? How do we help them do that? Like, How do we help them to generate the leads? How do we help them build their team yeah. so they can cater to them better? Hosting events, things like, like modeling my business, but as a real estate Back agent. Back to the marketing, yeah. Because look, when I can help them win, I know that, and I'm coming alongside them to help them win. Holly and I are both teaming up to say, hey, how do we help you win in this market, whatever the market is? Then I know that they will help us win. It's a very simple concept. Let's talk about the market. Um, Because, yeah, I mean, yeah, we've only got 30 minutes left. Um, So it clearly was a uh, seller's market and has been. For a while, would you? I mean, am I correct in that? I, I mean, with housing prices up right. here, you know, I, I I say that, but if you bought one of those houses up there now, and price is going back down, you actually have some equity that you can mm-hmm. do some things with now. Mm-hmm. Either upgrade your house or move into something and use that money, that equity, to do something else with. Right. But yeah. Um, interesting time right now in the market. Yeah. Well, and I think to say, like, the reason I pause there is because you just, like, it, it, like, technically we can say it's seller's market because of the supply and demand, right? Right. But then I always look at, like, why would I want to sell the real estate? So is it really a seller's market? Correct. And when they're Correct. sitting on a 3% interest rate, do they really want to sell when they're like, man, I got to go to seven, right? But for me, I look at it like, man, the, the buyer's opportunity has just sprung out because they were in such a... Although rates were low the mm-hmm. last couple of years, especially during the 20 and 21 COVID times, right. when you had that high 2%, low 3% rate, I mean, it was awesome, but it was good for the sellers too because they were getting mass appreciation, right? So it was kind of yeah. weird. Pricing, like, housing prices were crazy. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I look like we talked about this this morning. I was training a real estate team and we talked about that conversation. Like you got to go backwards in time and say there, rates might have been low. But you were 
not getting the seller to pay for anything, your seller concessions, any rate buy downs, you repairs are usually a half to 1% of the purchase price. So if it's a $500,000 house, there's 2,500 to five grand that you're as the buyer are going to come out of pocket to fix the sellers don't need to because there's 10, 15, 10, 20, 30 people right behind you ready to go on the offer, right? You had to waive your inspections. So I really hope there's no foundational issues that you're gonna have to walk away and lose your earnest money. Oh you yeah, I didn't, even, I didn't even think about that. Like you were in a risky spot. Now again, was there a benefit? Yeah, I was getting a three percent interest rate. What was the cost though? You were coming out of pocket, and some people were having to bid over. Right? We've heard the numbers. Yeah, that we yeah. the, the highest in the room this morning was was fifty thousand over asking over price. Asking price. Um, I had one over three hundred thousand that was over four million dollar property, but <laughs> the, it depends on the price. But you were bidding over, right? Yeah. So let's say realistically, you're at a five hundred thousand dollar purchase price, five ten thousand over, for sure, mm-hmm. right? At least. So yeah. you think of all those things that you were not getting credits for that you were just having to outlay yourself. Here's my closing costs. Here's my down payment. Here's my, oh, I got to fix all that stuff. Here's another five grand. Like you were going deep. Well, now it's turned around and you look at on a $500,000 deal. I mean, they could be getting 22, 25, upwards of 6%, $30,000 to use for a bunch of stuff. I could pay your closing costs. You could get the rate bought down permanently, which sometimes we're not advising. It just depends on the math. Mm-hmm. Or they do what's called a temporary buy-down, which you're seeing advertised everywhere, where basically there's like a sub-account over here, a bank account that holds a certain amount of money that pays your subsidizes your mortgage payment for, and it can be the first 12 months, the second 12 months, and even now there's a third year of it the mm. third 12 months, right? So you call it three, two, one, buy down. Two, one seems to be the popular because of the money. But when you think about the math, right? So if I had a, a $500,000 house, now I'm getting these credits that I wouldn't have had. I'm literally only coming in with my down payment. I can wait my full 10 days in Arizona's inspection period. So if something's weird, I can walk away, get all my money. Not a jeopardy. I don't have to waive my appraisal. I'm not having to pay five or 10 over. There's another five or 10 grand on top of the 30 that I'm getting. The repairs, seller's going to make those $2,500 to $5,000 repairs. So if I said to you, JJ, hey, would you rather have the $25,000 in your bank account or would you rather pay it like you were two years ago? I'd rather keep it. Cool. Well, let's take it out into the future. Let's go forward, and I don't know when, next year, maybe it's the year later, and rates go down to five. What will happen again? It's not going to be like it was at threes and 2% range. But at five, you got a lot of people on the fence right now. They're like, man, I want to I get in on the housing, but I'm, I'm skittish because the rates are high. And they're not understanding the benefit of the 20, 25, 30 grand that might, they might be leaving on the table that they're not going to get in the future. So in the future, right. like you go to the seller and seller's like, no, man, you need to make those repairs. I, I got this other guy that wants to offer on it. There's no seller concession. You want seller concessions? I'm sorry. No contingency. Sorry. Right? There, there's all these things that are going to come back to life that are going to be a missed opportunity today for those buyers. And again, I'm not trying to sway them to buy right now. I would just be remiss if they came back to me in nine months, rates drop to five, if that's right. time, like whenever they do. Right. But let's say that in nine months, buyer calls me up and says, hey, I'm ready. I'm like, cool. You need an extra $20,000 because you're paying your closing costs. You're going to have to buy your rate down. You're not going to do any of those repairs. You might have to pay over because there's going to be a lot of people coming in. You guys know being in the new build arena, there's a, a lack of households because of the household formations. Correct. There's just a lot of stuff happening. Like, you know, yeah, yeah. I graduated college. I want to go buy a house. I don't want to rent. 
or, hey, I'm getting divorced. I got to live somewhere and I'm not going to stay with her or him. So I got to go get a form another house. So these things are happening. Hey, I'm 33 and still living at home. It's time to go. The highest population, like the average first time home buyers around 33 years old. And for the last couple of years, the highest population rate of 33 year olds is in the market. Right. Right. So, and so that was a stat for marketing. Like, Hey, you need to market for the next four or five years, market that 30 to 35 range, because those people are entering that space. And that's just the majority of people that are buying is that range. So get in front of them. Well, that's more household formations that are needed, yet there's nothing. And you drive around town, you see all these high-rises and condo complex and apartment complex. Those guys have deep pockets for research. They didn't go, yeah, there's very little demand. Let's throw up this 100-unit building. No, (laughs) they were like, hey, there's a high demand. Let's throw up this 100-unit building. So those, that's all, like, I rely on their data. I'm like, wow, that, that, if they thought that was, that was a thing, that's why they're building. Yeah. The whole, we, we just, again, conversation uh, Friday or Thursday over a multifamily. And all of those discussions are still coming into play. What's the rents per square foot? What are you getting on this? What do you, you know? So it has to make sense to build it. Right. Um, how does the math work in all this? I'm curious. I know you were talking about the numbers, but we go back to the math from the 3% now mm-hmm. to the 7% that we were just talking about and all those extra monies that you're paying. Mm-hmm. How much of that gets absorbed from that in going that much less interest rate? Well, I think what you lose with the interest rate going up to where it is now is really the purchasing power. Yeah. Okay. So someone fair buying enough. a 3% versus 7% is they're just not getting the house that they want okay, you know, or they have their sights set on. Now, here's the thing I say, that's, let me just, I'm just going to show you what you do qualify for. Now with that temporary buy down we were talking about, that doesn't impact their qualifying to go higher. It just gets their comfortability for being yeah. in the house with that kind of payment. And that program has been around for decades. So that program came about more from the point of view of, you know, I'm moving to town with my spouse. I got the job transfer. Spouse isn't working here yet. Mm-hmm. They were back there. So we're going to be a little strapped. So although I qualify, to be nice if we had a lower monthly payment until she finds a job. Should be within a year or so. Anything you got for me? And then we do the temporary buy down. And you can either have the seller pay it or we could have your reload company pay it. So that program's been around a while for creative things. It just went away because rates were so low, it didn't matter. Sure. Nobody so cares. now that rates are high, it's come back to hmm. fruition. So making that sense of that. Now, the permanent buy down where we say, hey, we're going to give the bank a chunk of money, like 10 grand. We're going to buy your rate down from seven and a half to seven. Now, the math of it needs to make sense, right? right like, right. oh, you're saving a hundred dollars, but it costs you ten grand. That's not working. That's a hundred no. months. Mo- uh, no, that's you know nine years to recoup your money, right? Right. And so the math needs to make sense. What's cool that temporary buy down we talked about, where they create that little bank account that subsidizes your mortgage payment. Well, if you refinance any time during that two year or three year period that we have, you get the money back. Depending on the investor, they either pay your principal down or they give you a check back. So there, you get the money. If right. I do the permanent buy down and say, "Hey, to qualify for that house, we got to pay the ten grand." It doesn't save you a lot of money, but it'll it'll bump you another twenty grand in purchasing power, whatever the math is. Do you want to do that? Well, that you never get back. So right. you refinance in four months, you don't get any of your ten grand back. You just gave it to the bank. So that's something that the buyers need to understand. But usually, you're not getting that much power out of it. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm more educating them on, "Hey, if you got to wait, you got to wait." But if we can get you into this one and your 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 situation now is you're renting at four thousand dollars a month 
and I could get you into this house. And even though it's not what you want, let's get you into it because now you'll have some built-in equity that's going to accrue over time. And then at the time we're ready to rates come down and you can qualify for what you want or you make more money or we can count some rental income off of this house. Right. Now we can qualify you for the next one. Because once again, I'm not in my very first house. I'm mm. in like six, seven, eight houses deeper now because I'm 49. <laughs> Right. right? <laughs> but as you go through life, you just keep accumulating that price. So that might be a thing. I just need to be able to educate them on it so they don't just get shut down with, oh, rates are there. I only qualify for that. That's not what I'm looking for. I'm going to wait. And I hear that all the time. Yeah. I mean, that's as deep as people dig. Mm -hmm. It's just like, oh, rates went up. No, nope, I get in less house. I'm just going to stay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway. What, um, for the audience sake then, even, <clears throat> even with the, Let's say the Fed goes up another 50 bips next month. Mm -hmm. Everything's already baked in, though, to where you guys are lending at right now, correct? Usually. Yeah. 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 And, you know, you, the rates just can't come down until inflation comes down. Right. So whatever they do with the Fed funds rate up or down, it's, it's the sentiment of the market. But it's also like what's happening with inflation. And until that gets under control and we see some positive signals of that coming down, the rates are going to stay they where they're at. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And we just don't know. You know, there's so many factors and it, and some factors are, you know, like we were talking about today, you know, you got elections, you have, uh, wars, you've got catastrophic things that just happen. Like you just, like, we just don't know, but I'll tell you, it's hard also going through a winter, you know, and then we talk like in, in Arizona, right. But things just kind of slow down during the winter. People spend less money. It's just, you know, now you've got all the, um, economics like unemployment, there's just, there's just so much uncertainty right now. Do you, well, so let's go down that one. Do you lend to a lot of Canadians or, you know, uh, snowbird type people or do you see? We do a lot of snowbird, not a lot of, I don't see a lot of Canadians okay. anymore. Um, and I don't know if they, they just have a better channel for banks like Royal Bank of Canada. I, I don't even know their exchange rate. So I right. don't know if it makes sense for them or not. Um, but I, we used to, there was a time where we used to have a lot of Canadians coming down. Right. Second homes like have almost doubled from last year. And I don't know if it's a COVID thing Even where with the like, price really? of homes. Being oh yeah. There, but because of the interest rate, yeah. it's been lower. Yeah. yeah. And again, I mean, some people have the money, right. But they also understand like two's better than one when it comes to appreciation, right. You got one $500,000 house. If you can afford another one and if you're going to be there six months, you can still rent out the house. Right. So it could turn into an Airbnb pretty quick. And that's very popular in certain areas. So we've done a lot of second homes here in Arizona here. We've oh, also done sure. a lot up in Flagstaff too. We have an office up there. We do oh. a lot of business up there and that's a big second home market. And they're being used primarily for Airbnbs or for something like that? I'd say primarily vacation home, oh, but gotcha. then when they understand the math and what they can do, they, they end up going that route. Even if it's a few weeks, it's just extra cash that they could have. Now I think what happens is they get the bug. Like you get that first check and you're like, ooh, mailbox money yeah like wow that's a thing like honey i think we can make this work like it's just kind of getting over the you know you're not going to answer the phone at two in the morning when the toilet breaks down you're going to have a property manager you're going to like there's a lot of like you said there's a lot of misconceptions with stuff so they just don't know what they don't know or they don't dig deeper and ask enough questions yeah i mean this is really opening up my <laughs> mind and so i guess airbnb um and the like um has been a positive thing for in the real estate market as far as buyers for sure 
Oh, yeah. I, which I never even thought about until just now. Well, so I would say about a year, gosh, time just flies, a year, year and a half ago, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac came out and added an extra fee into their mortgage rate. So they're, they call it the, the servicing fee for them. So basically for a second home or investment property, they increased the rates if okay. you're going to them. Right. And I think... I don't, they didn't say like, here's why. Yeah. I think it was because there was so many people sure. purchasing that they wanted to give the owner occupants a better at bat. So sure. they were more, they made that product more attractive by having that price more attractive yet, you know, so we'll jack this price up. That didn't stop people because it's all still about the math or what happened was people then created new product that didn't sell to Fannie and Freddie to have the fee. Gotcha. So you would sell to a local bank and do a portfolio loan that, did not go through Fannie or Freddie because they added that little fee. Hmm. It's all about the data. Yeah. And back to, it's all about the math. I mean, so real estate is still a good investment. I tell you when, when you do the math of it again, I still think it's situationally dependent, right? But I think right now people miss the math and going deeper, as you mentioned of Mm. rates are high. I can't afford what I want. Or they just say rates are high and they don't even call. They're like, no rates are high. We're not going to do anything. And I'm like, okay, let's just take a look at it, right? Like, it it doesn't hurt to check the numbers to see if it works. Mm -hmm. But also just understanding, like, man, I just don't want to be part of the crowd that's going to go by when rates drop in the fives, maybe even, I mean, Fannie Mae projected four and a half sometime next year. And they're not, I mean, they have data analysts. So, like, I'm not saying it's gonna, but if there's a chance, they'd know it. But let's say that Mm -hmm. happens. There's even more people coming into the market. Mm Mm-hmm. And maybe it's the ones that are saying, man, we missed out on some of those Airbnb or investment property, oper- like long-term rental opportunities, mm-hmm. right? Like we're talking about, there's a lot of opportunity in that space. There comes a time when dreams become a reality, when you see your vision materialize into a true work of art. And the only way to get there is to choose a general contractor who shares that same vision and knows how to bring it to life. At Blue Wave, We aren't so big that we've forgotten where we've come from. And we aren't so small that we can't care for your projects regardless of their size. When your vision deserves safety, perfection, timeliness, and expertise in order to become a reality, trust Blue Wave to get it done right the first time. So are you only doing, um, you know, again, for the audience sake, Greg and Holly, is you do more than just B2C, right? I mean, you'll do some B2B work. Like like let's say I'm a developer or something, and I come and get a loan from you to develop a, a four-house, a four house, like build-to-rent little mini commune type thing, or do you typically not do that kind we of We don't stuff? do that. Okay. Yep, mostly just straight resale. We'll work with some builders on new builds. Uh, we'll do land, but it's mostly just residential only, not commercial or development stuff. Yeah. Development stuff. Yep. And then what about you? What about refi products? Lot. Yeah. Lot. And you know, right now, I mean, we're literally presenting right now with when we do a pre-qualification for someone. I show them like, hey, here's your rate and your payment, what you qualified today. Here, here's what we're gonna do in the future if rates drop to let's say five and a half conservatively. Here's what your payment will be. And we're not charging any of our fees on there too. Right. 
because I know it's going to happen. So why would I double dip? Exactly. Right? Hey, JJI, or no, I'm going to refinance you in the future. Yeah. Right. So, hey, so you're not going to pay my house fees. We're going to take care of that. We're going to, you know, I'll have most of your paperwork anyways. I'm happy just to have your repeat business. Right. So, yeah. but I'm showing them now, again, future pacing, like, hey, right now your payment's going to be $2,700, but in the future it's going to be 23. Let me just like somewhere around here is where you're going to land. Okay, cool. Like, you're, but you're comfortable here with the current number of 27. Yes. But cool. again, back to what we were talking about. So we can get you into X now. Mm-hmm. Here's a plan to get you to Y later. Correct. Yeah, I think yes. that's I think that's brilliant. I was hoping you were going to answer that way because I I think again, where what Robert was saying, we as a society are a little a little naive to look just here instead of here. Mm-hmm. So like it happens in a lot of things, right? Like, what well, happens in all yeah, of our respect respective businesses mm-hmm. when we look at when we look at the cost of money uh, across the board. What um. So what's what aren't we asking you about your industry that's cool right now? Like any any new things, any new angles, any new products, any new well state of the state type stuff? Yeah. Well, I th- I mean you answered you asked great questions already. Um, there's been one product that's kind of emerged. Uh, it's called the debt service coverage ratio loan. I don't know if you guys understand this, but it, mm-hmm. it's if, or I've heard of it. I know you'll understand it. It's basically where we calculate the payment for the house. So let's say it's going to be $2,700 and the realtor can go on to MLS and tell me what the rents are in that area. And it can actually be equal to, or a little bit under, but definitely if it's equal or over, it's a deal. So it qualifies off the payment of the house and the payment of the rent, not the income of the borrower. So I could have, wait a minute. Now that's, yeah, that's strange. Right. So it's the debt service that's covering, right, the the, the mortgage. Right? And yeah, so, yeah. you know, and you're putting twenty. If you if you have like, let's just say I have my twenty seven hundred dollar paint projected payment, but the rents are twenty five hundred, like oh, I'm a little short. You could put a little bit more down, not to bring the payment down, but just because the the lender will go to seventy five percent below the rent for your payment as long as you have enough equity. Right, so we'll work the equity in there to make it a deal. But that, I mean, you could be making—I don't even know what minimum wage is now—but let's say you're making fourteen bucks an hour mm-hmm. doing whatever, you can qualify for that if the property, the rent, will offset the debt in regards to the mortgage payment. So that's been a really good product. Now, I would tell you the other day that it penciled out. We were we were locking at ten point one percent interest rate. 10 because it was an investment purchase. They didn't have awesome credit. I'm like, Hey, it's 10%. And I forget what the payment was, but the rents were exceeding the payment. Oh my gosh. Really? Right. (laughs) And I was like, I called the realtor. I was like, dude, are you serious? He goes, I'll send you the comps, man. They sent me the rental comps. I was like, wow. And I mean, it's a deal. Underwriting that was all. It's a deal. Yeah. It was already closed. Yeah. So it's not so much the rate when it comes to investment property. It's not because it's more is the payment covering. Now, will my, uh, spread between payment to rent get bigger and I'll make more money on the deal when the market turns and I refinance? For sure. But for now, you're making the money. But remember, you have someone else making your mortgage payment. Yeah. You have the appreciation. You have the depreciation, which I'm not a CPA, so that's a disclaimer. Call your CPA. But there's <laughs> tax benefits for this as well, right? And I always list the last as cash flow because that extra little bit is awesome, but it's the first three 
that are the the knock it out of the park home run for investment properties. So that program DSCR has been a great program. Most lenders have it now. Uh, we actually do it in house <laughs> underwriting, so we don't have to send it out anywhere. It's I mean, it's just a cool product. Again, when we talk about this, like, man, how do I build up a portfolio? Like, what would it look like if you had five houses and you made 500 bucks off of them? Okay, you're making 2,500 bucks a month, but that's 2,500 bucks extra that, remember, if I'm getting 2,500 cash for those, that's like earning five grand from my job because you get taxed. Mm -hmm. It's a $60,000 a year job, Right. Yeah, and you, but you, but you mentioned that, like, you know, the minimum wage guy that's taking a look at this hypothetically and saying, "I can buy this investment property." I, that's just that's yeah yeah. Now again, some people, most people will hear that and go, "Yeah, but the minimum wage guy might not have twenty percent." Well, they might not have twenty percent yet. But once but he they know about it, yeah, yeah, once they know about that and like. Oh, I I really could qualify to do that. Like right now, they think they don't know, and so it's a, just a lack of information. Yeah, right. Yeah, back to that the word again. out. Yeah. The other thing, you know, it's it's just not sexy. It's just what's simple. Like, what are the simple things that people aren't doing? Like, you know, for for us with working with the real estate agents, it's building that relationship based business. Have they just recently called their database, or do they have a system in place that repeatedly calls their database mm -hmm. over time? And this can be any business. Like if my pool guy sure. called every one of their clients to say, "Hey, I just wanted to thank you as we start to unwind the year. I really appreciate you, Mr. Gale, for being a client and allowing me to, you know, clean up your pool." And I love that your dog jumps on me every time I'm there. But you know, it's been you've been a client for life, and <laughs> and I really love you. Hey. Do you um do you need anything extra special from me as we move into the holidays? Has everything been to your satisfaction? Are we are we doing well for it? Yeah, dude, super clean. Thanks, man. Okay, hey, can you do me a huge favor? I could really use your help. Do you know any of your neighbors that have pools that you could make an intro for me? Sure. I've never asked. Oh, thanks. Would you just keep an eye out for me? Mm -hmm. Okay, thanks, man. Like, if he called every one of his 400 clients, is he going to get a couple referrals out of there? Absolutely. Is he going to get them really close to the people that he's already servicing pools and it's, so it's super efficient? He doesn't have to go market a new area of town, hire a new crew, get another truck. He's like, dude, add one or two homes to each of the ones you're already doing, and you could quadruple your income with less expense. And what was your advertising budget on that? You had a phone. Yeah. yeah. Right? So, like, things like that. But could the real estate agent? Hey JJ, you know I know we closed on your house two years ago. I was just looking in here. Wow, you've um, you've almost doubled in value. <laughs> Congratulations, right? Like that's a call now. Or hey, you've went up fifty percent. Now I'm not calling because you you don't want to sell your house, but I did want to find out what are your long term real estate goals with that wealth piece of real estate that you have right now. Like what what are your goals? And then just shut up and listen. And then they tell you. And it could be man, they're gonna take me out of this place in a box. I love it. Or you know what, um, Greg, I'll tell you, I, I, I'm kind of regretting my purchase. You know, I bought two years ago. It was like my eighth pick. I don't, I, I, you know, it's okay, but I really wanted the bigger yard, and it's just not that big. I wanted the pool. I settled. I wanted three cars, not two. Like, whatever the answer is. Mm -hmm. But there's there was a stat out there that said it was 26% of home purchases during the COVID and pandemic times. 26% were dissatisfied resentful or regretting their purchase that's just crazy that yeah. is they that shocks me really that percentage yeah well think about it. like you go let's say you go to a nice restaurant let's what do we want to pick now 
Ocean. Ocean 44. Okay. Okay, we go to Ocean. And you walk in there, and you're like, oh, man, I'm craving that chilling sea bass. Miso drizzle, whatever. <laughs> hey. And the, and the waitress goes, oh, I'm so sorry. We just gave the last plate out. What else could I get for you? Oh, you? Oh, the filet? Oh, I'm sorry. We're all out. Uh, oh, shrimp? Um, we're all out. What, how about with the tilapia? I don't know. Like, whatever. And then you go, the tomahawk. <laughs> whatever. And then they're like, okay. It was your fifth pick. Yep. You're leaving that place. You're full. Oh, man, it was so good. And you're driving home going, I still want the sea bass. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And so they're literally driving up to their house every day going into their two-car garage going, I wish it was three. Sea bass. All I'm thinking about is Dumb and Dumber, the movie right now. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, sea bass is picking up the tab on this one. (laughs) Sorry. Guy guy problem (laughs) quoting movies. Squirrel. Yeah. Uh, No, it's going to, like, that stat, that's a high number, but it doesn't surprise me just the concept of that. Like, imagine pulling up and you really wanted three cars because you wanted to store some stuff and your kids are getting older and they got bigger bikes and bigger toys and you bought the two car. And all those things resurfaced after you bought that again. Exactly. Now, you're the realtor talking to them though because there are some that are frustrated, resenting it, thinking about it. And what do you do? You're the agent that called them. Hey, what's going on? Ah, man, it's funny you called. I was just thinking about this. Really? Well, the good news is you've appreciated this much money. If you want to go look for something else, I know rates are high, like address the elephant. I know rates are high, but let's just see what we could do. Maybe we pull some equity out of this one, keep it, rent it out. You're in a great area. Super Bowl's coming up. Let's get you in another one. I don't know if it'll work. Let me get you over to my guy, Greg, and his team. They're awesome. They took care of you last time. Let's have them run the math. Okay. At least they know their options. But if you're not making the call, this someday they're just going to walk out. They're going to flip open the mailbox, see a postcard from somebody. They're going to see two signs from the same agent on the street and go, she really knows the neighborhood. Let me just call her. Mm. Greg will never know. <laughs> <laughs> and they call that agent. And so when you think about it, just being in relationship, like so, so when you think like what's, what's, what's new, what's cool, dude, what's new and what's cool is what's simple. Call your database, get engaged with them, be part of the community, get out a food truck. Like we're doing the movie event. We've done them for, I don't even know, maybe eight years, nine years. I've done a movie twice a year, except for COVID, where we have people come and we just invite our clients in or we do our pie giveaway. So Mm -hmm. we send it out to our database. We say, hey, if you want an apple or pumpkin pie, we go to Costco the day before. Would we fill it? Clean them out. The best (laughs) pumpkin pie. Yeah. Yeah, we, we get a couple SUVs full of pies. We we order by Friday. We get them on the weekend. Tuesday afternoon, people are coming by the office. But it just keeps us engaged. And, and like, even if they don't want a pie or come by for a pie, they know they were invited. And that's how I stay in relationship with them. But a real estate agent could do the same exact thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. and should be. Yeah. Well, and look, B2B. I mean, we're we're in a um, uh, ADP. We've been in there three times now, mm-hmm. two, three times in the last month, where they have 2,000 employees in Tempe. Mm-hmm. We go in there. We set up a table right at the entry. It's in front of the little Starbucks in there. People, it's such a cool vibe in there. But we've been there for three or four years as their preferred lender, helping their employees, educating them, whatever. But it was shocking, shocking. I'm just sitting there at a the table, and someone walks up and like, "Hey, it was funny. I was just gonna call somebody. I, I need. I do want to. I don't want to rent anymore." And I was like, "Well, how long have you been renting? When's your lease up? February? How much are you paying? Twenty five hundred, right?" <laughs> but um, a lot of them were actually like the young kids, and I'm oh. like, "I'm like, oh man, could you imagine getting my hands on a twenty year old and, and just showing them the math, right? Yeah. Like, what is this going to do for their career there? 
right? But it was it was interesting. I mean, how many did you have the one day? Uh, like five. Like five people, like all interested in in this market, right? right. Interested in it because there's so many questions. And, and again, I get the same questions. Like, I don't need twenty percent down. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, you can get zero. There's some assistance programs, grant programs. That's like, the number oh, wow. one question every time. Really? They always are asking if they, they oh, I don't have 20% down. Yeah. Like, or the well. score. I'm like, oh, like minimum 550. Like what? Oh, I'm mm-hmm. a six something. And I'm like, because most credit card statements now tell you what your score is, right? right? She's like, oh, I'm like a 660 or something. I didn't think I could qualify. I was like, wow. Like there's a lot of just misinformation out there. Yeah. Yeah. Insane. But I love going to business. So imagine a realtor who closed a deal with someone in their database that calls them and, hey, where are you working now? Axon, formerly Taser, right? <laughs> oh, wow, cool. How many employees you got there? I don't know, a lot. Okay, well, <laughs> can I come in and do a presentation about the benefits of home ownership for free? Like, make it like it's more benefit for yeah. them, right? Like, yeah, cool. Talk to Patty and HR. Like, uh, like, why can't call your database, rekindle the relationship, check in who they work with, go in and do a home buyer workshop for them. Show them how to leverage real estate. It doesn't take that many. But when you stumble upon a place, we did a, um, it was Wolf Air Conditioning. Mm-hmm. And we went in. They had like 40 people at the time. And I went in with the realtor and we did a home buyer seminar with them, showed them about real estate and about the math and the programs that are out there and, like, it's just, it's an employee benefit. But that's a great way to go yeah. B2B and leverage those relationships mm-hmm. in, in the masses. Yeah, fascinating stuff. Yeah, really. It just makes my makes my, my brain hurt. But it, it, it makes me understand that, which I've always said this, and it's in every industry. It's all about timing. Because you were talking about, here we are sitting in the place, and a guy walks up and says... Now, had you been there tomorrow or the next day right. or the day before? Maybe not. Mm-hmm. You happened to be there the day that they had a need and they thought about it. Mm-hmm. The number of times that's turned into a sale or turned into revenue for me is amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. That's like marketing, right? They can't, mm-hmm. they can't, you know, flow you any way, shape, or form, do business with you unless they know you. When you have in in the contracting world, I want to be the guy that walks in the day that you just hung up from a call that you're ticked at somebody they mm-hmm. they they you know did xyz yeah. and you walk in those are the days that you wind up making a sale 100 percent. But, well, but, but, but what greg's saying yeah. and i think we all agree is be there with the solution oh, when absolutely. everyone else has been given problems but, right so i think the takeaway from today was you know here we were we asked you guys to come on you know, all the media doom and gloom, you know, rates are going up. Mm -hmm. But I think you painted a great picture today of saying when you're a solution provider, there's always solutions. It just, let's always get to the math of it and then work it out. Because the classic example I kept thinking about what you were saying, Greg, is, okay, over here, that half a million dollar house. Okay, yeah, so the rates are X and that amortizes to Y. But yet over here, the I can actually get more house now because... You know that there aren't ten people in line, and they had to reduce the price by twenty five thousand. Now I'm right back to where I started from. Anyway, I got into where I was the same. Basically, if you run the pro forma, it's the same, mm-hmm. different, different set of rules, but yet the outcome is the same. Right. And I think that's the lesson in today's podcast was that there, it's always going to be moving. Okay, mm-hmm. it's not it's not always going to be two and a half percent, but then on the same token, this ticket price might always have a I have a lesser appreciation at that time when it goes up and mm-hmm. vice versa and all those things. But it, you know, 
it was it was interesting here. Equity is still equity, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Sure. Yep. It, it doesn't diminish. Yeah. Well, and appreciation still appreciation. Yeah. Right. So when you look at it, like if we didn't even talk about that as a if I buy now versus later deal, yeah. but if I'm on a CoreLogic national company Thank that you. does stats, right? They redid their forecast from like low three percent for the future for the next year, low three percent to three point nine. So almost 4%. So they've increased their appreciation numbers because of just sheer supply and demand. That's all they do is the math and the analytics. Well, if you take that out and you say, well, if you did buy the $500,000 house, you're going to be at this 4%, you know, slowly increasing appreciation during this time. But then what happens when rates drop? At some point in time, they come down and we have this frenzy we're talking about. And people go up and start gobbling the houses, waving contingencies, getting rid of the seller credit, like all that stuff we just talked about. But we missed the one thing of... I want to be on that road when it hits the hockey stick and jumps up. Yeah, exactly. Right. I don't want to be chasing it on the way up. Right. Is there any, can you share any data on the appreciation trajectory of what you guys do in your world specific to Arizona? Well, no, because I'd be, it'd be a guess. I know it's higher than that because the core logic does national stats and Arizona has always been higher, but I'd be guessing and I don't want to, I don't want to do that. Well, no, I, it was just, I was thinking of a way to, to take away this, this, uh, experience today by giving the audience like some uplifting type thing. And that would be one of them. Well, the the latest that that came through the Cromford report was it's around 10 to 13% in Arizona for current appreciation, but not forecasted in the future. So, but I mean, we know that even, so if you're somewhere between four to 10, you're doing pretty good. Wow. Now, one other question, just uh, quickly, do you guys ever run the, the data, the stats on the, how do I, how am I asking this question? That rent, that person that's been renting, what they've been paying in rent versus what that mortgage payment is we do. for the similar amenities and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, we actually have a, what, a software program that does what, that. Just at a high level kind of macro summary, what does that keep telling everyone? That they're missing out mainly on that, like you just said, equity. Got so it. we're missing out on that appreciation and equity. Yeah, and where that money's going, right? So so I'm either paying 100% interest to pay <laughs> rent, Holly, which is rent the house. Yeah my rent yeah. or I'm paying myself with, yes, I'm paying the interest of my loan, but I am paying the principal and I'm gaining all that appreciation, yeah. which is the number one thing that's the miss. But we literally have, I punch in four or five fields and it tells me, you know, your rent versus what your what the house do you qualify for? And then what the difference is over one year, five year, 10 year, however far we want to go out. But typically it's that five to 10 year average. Awesome. Well, it's been fascinating my this is fun thanks guys i don't know how an hour smoke but yeah it it happens every time i don't know how it went by sorry holly we didn't give you more i love listening to greg i could just sit here all day and be like wow because it still blows my mind (laughs) unbelievable we we will definitely have you both back on again we would love that thank you thank Um, you so much for being here today go ahead get us out get us out of here you've been listening to the mac and blue show brought to you by tory contracting and blue wave general contracting be sure to subscribe to the mac and blue podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Follow Robert Johnson and JJ Levensky on LinkedIn and Instagram. Tune in live every first and third Thursday at 3 p.m. as we continue to introduce you to the people building Arizona. Walt Disney said, you can dream, create, design, and build the most wonderful place in the world, but it requires people to make the dream a reality. Until next time, make it a great day.